listening to Vantage Point Podcast, dedicated to giving godly perspective to everyday living. Let's get into this week's episode. What is going on and welcome back to Vantage Point Podcast, where we're finding insight, keys, and perspective through the lens of God. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm so glad you're tuning in this week, whether it's your first time or 50th time, you're in the right spot. There's so much coming up for Vantage Point. I want to give you a little bit of that information so you can stay connected and go check out old uh, series we just finished, like the one in April uh, called Mosaic. I encourage you to go back, check it out. Uh, We looked at how God uses our brokenness to create his masterpiece, and the response from everybody that's listened is amazing, so definitely check that out. And then in June and July, we're going to be closing out season three. Unbelievable that this is our third season with Vantage Point, and it's going to be our bonus series, uh, Persons of Interest Summer Takeover, and it's going to be for eight weeks from June through July, um, and I'm literally turning over the keys to Vantage Point Podcast in eight weeks, uh, for those eight weeks, in a reboot of the series we did last year to kick off season two called Persons of Interest. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss one episode, the guest hosts. They all have a word, and you're not going to want to miss that. That's going to be in June and July. But for May, this month, we're going to be kicking off a five-part series called Core Strength. And I'm telling you, this series has been something I've been working on and really preparing for the last year. And, And I gave a little bit of backstory last week, but the vision of this series really focuses on working out um, and the importance of a strong core. That, that's really where the basis of it. And I want you to listen to this regarding core strength and working out, like physical working out. And it says your core muscles play a huge part in everyday activities from getting out of bed to walking down the street, bending over to grab your purse, your shoes. But most importantly, they help you stay upright. Like it's not just your abs. Like the abs we see is not just one muscle. The deepest layer of abdominal muscles and probably the most important is your transverse abdominus which stabilizes your spine and your pelvis then we have two layers of oblique muscles which control lateral flexion think of a side bend rotation or spinal movements and then last and not least the topmost muscle the rectus abdominis which runs vertically in front of your abdomen and that's the muscle we see as a six-pack and it flexes your torso forward like in a crunch and I want you to get these key four pieces uh, when it comes to core strength and one is core strength is crucial in every movement we do we need to build enough core strength before we can build strength anywhere else and we need to use it correctly and it's not just about sculpting the six-pack or the look of the that outermost layer that we see that topmost muscle and, and really when you think about that our Christian walk is no different. And there's a certain core strength that should be relevant in all of us. And I believe those areas are key to our walk. And if those areas are lacking, we don't get the fullness of our walk with God. And this series isn't meant to serve as like this definitive list that if you don't have these five things, that these are the only things you have. There's so much more to our walk. But I'm really believing that these five fundamental foundations build on them it helps us grow in relationship revelation and ultimately transformation and the five areas we're really going to touch on this series is going to be community prayer 
worship, devotion, and love. And we're going to dig into each of those areas and ensure the core of our walk with God is strengthened. And for this week, we're going to focus on love. Listen to this quote on love. And it says, love is always bestowed as a gift, freely, willingly, and without exception. We don't love to be loved. We love to love. And when we really start to break down this core strength of love, that there's so much to unpack. But really, the first piece I want to really touch on is we love because it's what we are called to do. John 13, 34 through 35, it says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciple if you love one another. And when we read that scripture, it's not a suggestion or an idea from Jesus. It it is a command, which is something given from one to another with the full expectation it will be carried out. Jesus said that everyone will know you're my disciple when you love one another. Anyone who says they follow Christ is called to walk in love. And and really, why is that important? And, And we look at Matthew 24, 12, it says, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow grow cold. The message says it like this, for many others, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in nothing left of their love, but a mound of ashes. And when you think about the world we're in, the things we go through on a day-to-day basis, like there is so much that eats and pecks and, and pulls away from our love. And I'm not talking about relationships, although that's a part of it. I'm talking about day-to-day things. You turn on the news, so much going on, and we find ourselves in a world that that is so hard um, to love, so hard to really see people in love and, and really give that love out to people, um, not just the people we know, but people who we don't know and people we see who we might feel are unworthy of that but it's so key that we that we keep that we latch on to that commandment of loving one another just as I have loved you and we're also called to do that because if we are disciples we are called to that and and what this reminds me of when I think about commands right I served in the army in the U.S. for eight years and there was you know officers and sergeants gave commands there was no misinterpretation there was no failing of thought, the command was expected to be carried out. And and if we take it a step further, the word command in the original Greek means an injunction, ordinance, or law. And what Jesus is saying, it's not only a summoning with an authoritative order, but he was also instituting a new law to replace the law of Moses. And that was around love. And I really feel like this was the way to kick this series out with the true foundation of all things. And when we look at love, there's so many things that, that has been said, books have been written, but two quotes that are, that I really feel tie into that one is from Martin Luther King. And it says, love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. And from Robert Allen Silverstein says, love is the truth that sets us free. And when we think about love and when we really dig into it that there's there's so much more and when it comes to it yes we have to love because it's what we're called to do but we also love because it's what he did for us it's what god did for us and first john 4 10 and 11 says love consists of this not that we love god 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. And if we go back and think about who we were before God, we just talked about some of that in Mosaic, our last series. You know, we were of the world. We did what we wanted to do. We said what we wanted to say. We represented what we wanted to represent. We were in love with ourselves in the world that we were in. But when we made the decision to give our life to Christ, we didn't get looked down on. We didn't get looked over. He didn't say, no, based on what you did in the world, you, you can't be with me. He literally responded to us with love. He, he gave us the ultimate response by sending Jesus into the world so we could have eternal life. And we have to hold on to the undeniable fact that wherever we are, God's response is love. Wherever we feel ourselves at, whatever we're experiencing, our response is love. And the more we get that on the inside of us, the stronger we can embrace him and the more effective we can be at loving others. And what really prompted me during this point was the prodigal son, the story um, a parable where Jesus told his disciples to really help them understand his teachings. And, and this particular story is Luke 15, 11 through 32. And Jesus begins, he says, this man had two sons and the younger son wanted his inheritance early. So we left home. He went into the world, wasted his inheritance. The Bible says he lived a reckless life. So he's out there doing whatever he wanted, representing what he wanted to do. And at the same time, the famine, a famine struck the country. And this part of the parable really connects with this point um, that's found in Luke 15, 17 through 24. And at this moment, the son is at his lowest moment. He's eating out of the pig's trough where pigs eat. And it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And I'm here dying of hunger. I'll get up. I'll go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. In other words, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just let me be one of these people because they're better off than me. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. They bring, then bring the fatted calf and, and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with the feast because the son, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And I want you to think about the father when his son left and when his son came back. While his, I mean, his son was gone and then he returned. The love the father had never changed. And, and the moment the son returned from the world, the, the response wasn't, I told you so. You should have stayed. You should have waited. It, it was literally love. He didn't even really mention the fact that he was out there in the world doing whatever he at that point it didn't matter you've come back home and I really believe that that's God's response to us 
It doesn't matter where we were. It doesn't matter what we've done. When we make the decision to come back home, there is rejoicing. There is love. There is everything. And when you look at this scripture and compare it to our own lives, like look at verse 20. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. He identified with him. He felt compassion. He felt his need. And he went to him in urgency and embraced him kissed him, which is affirming him, the father forgave the son and welcomes him back into fellowship. And how much did the father love his son? Uh, you know, men did not run in that period of time. If you read the Bible, that, that wasn't something that really we saw in the Bible. And, and that brings this much more insight. Why would the father break convention of the culture for this lost son who sinned against the house? Because he loved him and his love was greater than those things. The love that God has given us in response is greater than those things. And it has the power to restore relationship. And I believe this is what God wants our response to look like. Can we see people not for what they do, but who they belong to? Can we feel and sense and meet them where they're at? Can we act with purpose and intent and can we affirm them for who God has called them to be? And when we think about those questions and we really get to the point of, okay, that sounds great, but how do I do that? And we get to point three, which is we love what the formula God gives us. And we see this in scripture through and through the, the real formula to how we love in that level. And the first piece of it is we have to love with truth and grace. First Corinthians 13, six and seven, Paul says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Responding in truth simply means that we, we're not denying any real problem because real love demands truth. And without truth, love is nothing. Responding in grace simply means we don't condemn someone for their problems or make them worse by bringing it to their attention, but we have to have a balance in both to deal with the world we're still working to affirm. Another piece of that formula is patience and hope. And 1 Corinthians 13, 4 starts with love is patient. And the 100% fact, think again to God with us. We are imperfect people serving a loving God. Every day God is patient. We don't get it right every time or even the first time. Why in our love for others do we expect something we aren't capable of? Responding in love requires patience. And I love Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And really, when it comes to this love and this hope, we have to have the hope that in this love, transformation can happen. Life change can happen. Relationships can be restored. Faith can be built up. Everything can happen. And, and really, it begins with that prayer. It begins with that. And Ephesians 6.18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And praying gives us an open form, an audience with God 
to lament, speak everything you feel in those moments where love might be hard, it might be easy. And even though like we didn't directly respond to something, we're turning to God in prayer and respond and we can get the, the, the tools and we can get the um, things we need to respond in love. Because sometimes I think we, we want to respond so quick out of emotion. We want to respond so quick out of the action that we didn't take time to go to God and say, is my response in you? Is it of you? And I need to know that I have that, that confirmation through prayer, through patience, through hope that I'm responding in love because prayer allows us to take our emotions, our senses, our feelings and everything, and we present them so the Holy Spirit can cover and help us respond in love and give out God's love. Because the truth is, we can't do that alone. We, we are unable to give godly love on our own. We need help to love like God. This is why we stay connected. We allow relationships to deepen. This is where we get our strength to respond in love. This is why it's so crucial as a core strength. And, and I'm reminded of Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And, and all of that gets me to point four. Keep this, write this down. We love because it validates growth. And, and when I think about love and how it connects as a core strength, it, it ties so well into 1 Corinthians 13. And this entire chapter flows into something we often don't tie with love, and that's maturity. And if we really look in the chapter, it begins with a comparison, then this breakdown, and then a revelation, and then the spark of maturity. And it reads like this. It says, if I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I give, if I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I love this summary of that entire chapter. And it says, Paul responds to the Corinthians over emphasis on spiritual gifts by showing them all gifts are worthless if not practiced through godly love. Paul provides 14 descriptors of love, 
all action verbs, all choices made out of a commitment to set self aside and serve others. Choosing to love each other in this way would solve many of the problems Paul confronted in this letter. The spiritual gifts provide a glimpse of what is knowable, but when the perfect comes, we will all know love is the greatest of all the virtues. And as we move into our walk with God and we begin to learn about other gifts and we begin to grow and all those things, I love what this quote is saying. To It's basically you know, saying to not get so wrapped up in those gifts and forget the foundational peace that the gifts flow from. This is why the core of our Christian walk has to be secure. It goes back to the analogy of working out because there's so much that stems from that core. If it's failing, our other areas are failing. Knowing this begins with love and what we all must do through love gives us a level of growth, a level of maturity that we can walk in as believers. And honestly, the, the reason I began this series with love is it's simple. This is where our core strength begins. And, and really, love is the core of the other core strength. And it permeates through every being of who we are if we let it. And, and growing in love means that we aren't selective in love, we aren't restrictive in love, and we aren't biased in love. Because to have love as a core strength means we love because we love. And as I close out this first episode of this series, I want to leave you with some questions just to think about as we move forward in this. And the first question is, how do you love? Like, where is the core strength of love? Where does it fall in your walk with God? Because a lot of times, our love is like we described it. It's selective. It's restrictive. It's biased. And, and do we really understand what release we could have if we love the way that God loved us it, with truth, grace, patience, hope, with prayer? And the end of First Corinthians says this, these three things remain faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is the ultimate core strength. And I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for your love for us. You sent your son to live with us and to show us love. He gave his life for us and was resurrected on the third day so that we could be with you in eternity. God, to feel a piece of your love is more than we can imagine. Knowing your love is humbling. Help me love like you. Help me grow in maturity with love. Search my heart. Show me where to increase love. Show me people to love. In Jesus' name, amen. I truly believe that God is going to help us in this series build up our core and strengthen our relationship with him and our growth as believers if we allow him to. So I encourage you, tune in next week. We're going to go into another core strength. Share this message. Let people know what we're talking about on Vantage Point. Until next week, remember, keep seeking perspective for daily living through the lens of God. We'll talk to you next week on Vantage Point.